Managing psychosocial hazards and work-related stress is at the foundation of an effective approach to psychological health and safety. We'll talk with an attorney and author who is also one of the top voices in the country on dignity and respect in the global workplace on this episode of the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. From Flourish DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. Safety at work is more than freedom from physical injury. To be safe, you have to feel safe. Join us each week as we discuss psychologically healthy and safe work in the USA. Welcome to this week's Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. I'm your host, Dr. I. David Daniels, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Each week, we seek to increase awareness of the importance of psychological health and safety by learning from the lived experiences, research, and expertise of our guests, and advocating strategies to reduce harm and minimize vulnerability to psychosocial hazards in the American workplace. For those of us, uh, including me, of course, who've been following this podcast from the start, uh, one of my critiques of the state of psychosocial safety and health in the United States is our lack of a regulation or adopted standards regulating psychosocial hazards and how we should address them. However, uh, much of what we know in this country is a product of research that's been done on bullying in the workplace, uh, which we recognize as the psychosocial hazard uh, with the, the most depth and the most, again, recognition by most people. A few years ago, uh, I was invited by our episode four guest, Dr. Gary Namey, and founder of the Workplace Bullying Institute, to an event that assembled some of the top experts in the United States and a couple from around the world on the subject of workplace bullying prevention. One of the invitees is actually the guest for this session. And it's just, uh, it's really neat to be able to reconnect. Uh, she recently authored an exciting new book Managing Psychosocial Hazards and Work-Related Stress in Today's Work Environment, International Insights for the U.S. Organization. It's something that I think we really need here in the U.S. is some information about what's going on around the world to help inform what should be going on here in the U.S., at least, uh, at least someday we're hoping. So my guest, uh, and I'm honored to have her, is Ellen Pinkos-Cobb uh, to this episode. And uh, Ellen, I'm going to welcome you like I do most of my guests, or actually all of my guests to the podcast with this question. Who is Ellen? Well, hi, David. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. And I listen to your podcast. So I'm ready for this question. I, I, I think it's an awesome intro question. So I've thought about it a little bit because it's one of these big questions in a way. But professionally, um, I'm going to offer this in the order that I find its importance matters to me. I'm an author. I've written three books, one on bullying um, around the world and laws and developments, one on sexual harassment developments and laws around the world. And then the third book you just mentioned about managing psychosocial hazards. I am also a subject matter expert for a global um, training company. And I've just recently become a subject matter expert for uh, a U.S. company that does training. And my, my focus is on sexual harassment and harassment for truckers. And they want to develop more interesting training than is 
offered by states where it's required. And I applaud that. Uh, and I'm an attorney. I throw that in last. <laughs> it's something, but it's it's not my identity. Okay, so that's me professionally and personally. I live right outside of Boston. And I have a couple of daughters who are grown up. And I now have a seven-month-old granddaughter Yay. who I take help take care of. And um, I like to go to the beach and read. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I um, I actually uh, lived in Worcester for about a year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the winters were too much for me, I have to be honest. So, <laughs> I think if you don't grow up in New England, it's yeah. just too much, and it's still hard <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really difficult. Yeah, I was a you know I was born and raised in Seattle, and we didn't have that much snow there. And I live in Atlanta, and we have virtually no snow here. So, uh, and this was a stop kind of in between for. You know, I was working up in the area, but yeah, the 18 inches of snow on the ground, uh, it was a little bit much for me. So it's brutal. <laughs> it's absolutely. brutal. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, it's so interesting, interesting how, you know, how we come to this conversation, the intersection of our, you know, again, both of our work around workplace bullying and the intersection. I didn't really recognize or understand that bullying was a psychosocial hazard when we first met. I, I, I knew about bullying, uh, you know, having having been a target myself and uh, actually something I learned through that whole process was not only was I target, there were uh, occasions in my career where I was the bully as well. And uh, it, it, you know, and that I, I, I fully recognize that by now knowing that when you're in an environment, you kind of, we're, we're, most mammals, we imitate behavior of other people. And if you don't get training, you do imitation. So you imitate what you think is right, but uh, that's probably a conversation for another day. So, so when I or when you hear the phrase or the term psychosocial or, or psychological health and safety, I should say, what does that engender for you? What is what do you think of when you when you hear psychological health and safety? What does what does that mean to you? Well, I think what it means to me is is going to be coming from my book. Because in other, as you already pointed out, this country is kind of kind of definitely lagging behind. But I learned that in other countries, psychological health and safety has to do with um, treating the whole worker, really, um, making their psychological health and safety on an equal um, playing field with physical health and safety. And that kind of comes through a lot of laws and Um, codes of practice and guidelines where the employer's responsible for somebody's psychological health and safety, just like their physical health, health and safety. So that's, that's, I'm not sure what it means to me as much as what I've learned it means in other places that have addressed it. Um, And it also means addressing psychological health and safety as a lot of places are referring to it as the fourth arm of of occupational health and safety. Hmm. Um, And so it's just a part of workplace health and safety. Hmm. Um, I know there's the term psychological safety that's a little bit different, you know, feeling safe at work, but I think that plays into it also. It it does. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think that is a little bit of a challenge for people to to get what psychological health and safety is because they uh, 
basically use those terms interchangeably and they're they're related but they are different you know that, right that, dr edmondson's work around having an environment where people feel you know good to bring their whole self and not worry about you know how they're going to be how people react to them how they be treated that type of thing that's very important but the challenge is that again i i believe you know in my experience i've only worked here in the u.s but my experience is that You'll never get or maintain psychological safety if you don't focus on psychological health and safety. You've got to do both of them. Otherwise, neither of them really works if you don't do both. Exactly. Exactly. If you don't feel right, if you're not providing an environment, I guess it's called the workplace environment, you know, whether it's it's psychosocial environment or it's just an environment where people do feel safe. Right. all, it all goes back to stress, I guess, yes. you know, work-related stress, yes. whether that's from not feeling safe at work in any kind of way. Right. So, so, so what leads an attorney in the U.S. to start studying psychosocial hazards? Because I, again, I, I, my, my research on this topic has been focused from an occupational safety and health perspective. So, and, and frankly, I, I have to be honest. So there are many in the occupational health and safety community that are just coming around and some don't agree at all. Some don't believe this is not a safety thing. It's uh, something else. It's something HR people ought to do, you know, call the attorneys, call those other people. And I, so how does, how did, how did you, how did you get into this? What, what, what motivated you to, to, you know, to have, to do the research to eventually end up with a book? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't, a lot of people have a life and career plan laid out and I apparently don't, but for years, Starting in law school, um, I worked at the Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination. And like, it really, you know, it, that was the place I worked there in law school. I worked there on and off for years as a neutral. So, you know, what I did there, that's the state civil rights agency and people bring employment discrimination cases. So I became very familiar with employment discrimination and harassment. And kind of out of the blue, I picked up a job, an editing job as as the editor at an international environmental and occupational health and safety consulting company right across Boston Common. I was a, you know, kind of two part-time jobs. And so that morphed into my being part of of the staff and and working on um, updates to occupational health and safety laws in other countries. So I'm reading through these laws and I see discrimination and then I see workplace bullying. And I'm like, what is this? I've never heard of it. And I'm reading about it and I'm realizing it's like discrimination without this protected class. So it really clicked for me and I became really fascinated. Um, And then I just decided to put together a book about the, the laws and developments because just like in law school, not that much interested me. But this field, you're treating people fairly at work, really did. And, and same with workplace, same with occupational health and safety. I might not really care that much about um, like machine guarding and emissions, but I certainly cared about this. So that led me to realize that bullying, and I always like say this, bullying's a big thing, but it's part of a bigger thing. And that bigger thing is psychosocial hazards. And again, other countries were addressing this and sometimes putting bullying in, you know, the laws that said psychosocial hazards have to be managed by the employer. And then that includes bullying, that includes, um, you know, excessive workload. 
So that's that's my weird path to get there. Not really planned out. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I have to admit it's a it's a bit of a unique way to get there, but you know, it, it makes sense when you talk about it. it, it yeah. So, so you you said that you a, a bit of a rabbit trail, if you allow me. You said that you the uh, the part about um, taking discrimination claims and, and trying to help people who are dealing with discrimination. It was that something that you kind of stumble into, or has that been a kind of a a, a lifelong passion? That that was less stumbling into. That okay. was um, knowing that I wanted to go to law school to be. Um, you know, helpful towards people, but knowing that I'm kind of an introvert and that a lot, I guess I did a summer way back being a social worker with um, foster kids and and children in need of services. And it it was a lot, it took a lot out of me, but I love reading and writing. So as many lawyers do, (laughs) especially all those lawyers who write fiction on the side, which I've also done. But yeah, so I went to law school and labor law, employment discrimination, administrative law. Those were all the fields I were, was interested in. So that was that was more of a plan. Sure, sure, sure. And and and, and again, you you've mentioned it a little bit, but I could go into, a, you know, let's dig into this a little deeper, because there are lots and lots of folks who recognize the term bullying. And we, again, when we had Dr. Naomi on, we had conversations about this with other, other guests as well. But I'd be interested in your perspective. People know about the term bullying. They think about, you know, kids on the school ground and all that type of thing. So share a little bit about the connection between bullying and psychosocial hazards, at least from your perspective. Sure. I mean, bullying is really one of the more, as you, I think you said, severe psychosocial hazards. But it's it's anything that any factor at work that can lead to work-related stress. And I think we've seen, um, whether it's through Gary Namey talking about his Ruth's experience, his wife's horrible experience with bullying, or, or many people, other countries, it's a really serious psychosocial hazard. I mean, it, it makes people anything from anxious and gets, you know, getting stomach aches to, to thinking about taking their own life which has happened with, you know, unfortunately, I think it was Australia or maybe some territory in Australia um, enacted a law, Brody's law, I think it's called, after this this young woman took her life and they enacted an anti-bullying law. So um, as a psychosocial hazard, it's, it's a bad one. Um, but just the idea that it is um, finally the the company I worked at for for mm, a dozen years did start to bring it into occupational health and safety, which I thought was interesting because they were resistant to talk about sexual harassment, but they were working. Um, we did a lot of audit protocols. They did bring in workplace bullying, um, and. When you talk about law school, I'm going to just kind of digress a little bit. I actually, I had lunch with this woman I met through a friend of a friend, and she was, I think, a dean at a a business school around here. And I said, do they ever teach about bullying in business school, in leadership courses? And she looked at me like I had five eyes. But that was was probably 10 years ago. Um, But I actually think anything, whether it's business school, which I don't know much about, or law school, 
these graduates and, and probably whatever occupational health and safety degree, they, they should bring it up then. You know, it's it's such a large part of how a work uh, workplace works or doesn't work. Or doesn't, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, I've, I find it interesting that um, that that isn't a discussion. I, I just I, I just find it interesting. Uh, as a matter of fact, I I don't believe there's much conversation about safety in business schools in general uh, that, that, that I, it's not perceived by some as an education type thing. It's considered to be a vocational thing. So if you're in a construction management or a manufacturing leadership kind of course, it'll come up. But I, I, you know, I'm finding that as we do a better job of engineering out the physical, chemical, biological, ergonomic safety, we're engineering that stuff out slowly but surely. But what mm-hmm. we'll never be able to eliminate is the emotions that are associated with work. I just don't see that mm-hmm. happening ever. I, I, at least not in my lifetime anyway. There may be some time in the far distant future that we you know, that humans evolve past their emotions, but I don't know what that looks like. And so it's interesting that there's virtually no conversation about this in any of our, you know, institutions of higher learning outside of, you know, just a few. And actually, I think sometimes what we're doing is teaching people how to bully. Yeah. I mean, look at all the leaders, look at like the leaders and look at what turns up when they when a company kind of comes crashing down or just the leader, it turns out that they ruled with not good. Right. And, and I guess it's Gary, Namie, but anybody, it's not just one bully. It's the organization that lets them bully. Yes, yes, yes. Ultimately that, that really is the case because it's a, uh, it's about a system. Uh, can, can you, um, can you think of any, any specific incidents of whether they be, Personal or other people, where you were that that uh, you talked about being a you know a social worker, and I I honestly believe that it's a good percentage of those of us who have interest around these topics do it because there was either there was or there's these ongoing things that keep us in the game that that or there was a particular thing that happened. Do you, do you have one of those specific incidents that you know drive your passion for this topic? Well. One thing, let me throw in one more thing on the psychosocial hazards and bullying, which I, I should have said before, but I do have my notes that, that, <laughs> sure. I, that I made. Um, I, I virtually attended the International, no, International Association of Workplace Bullying and Harassment conference a few weeks ago. And there's some awesome people from around the world that come to that. Carlos Caponecchia is, is somebody from Australia. And I think it, I think Carlo, Carlo is his name. He said something about the discussion of workplace bullying has moved to a broader discussion of psychosocial risks. And it was really interesting because the U.S. people were kind of back on sexual harassment and then a little bit about bullying and HR. And he's he's saying, you know, bullying's kind of moved, we've moved on from just bullying to encompass it. And anyway, I wrote that down because it was a, it was impressive to me. But yes, is there any specific incident? No, I think I'm kind of an, um, what's it called? I don't think this is supposed to be a bad thing. I think I'm one of those highly sensitive people and and I'm a big reader and I I pick up on people's getting upset, you know, take on too much, which is why the social work thing would have been really difficult. Mm. Um, 
But I think that um, I read a ton of books growing up and that's kind of maybe how I learned to see parts of the world. So I haven't been bullied at work. I did see somebody get bullied at one of my jobs and it was horrible. And and there was that statistic that um, or that study done in, I think, British Columbia with nurses, that people who witness bullying have a greater urge to quit than those who are even bullied. That was just one study. But I did see bullying and I saw how horrible it was. But but I really think that wasn't it. I think I've just been on this path to um, make, you know, not have things be unfair. I don't like mean people. I I don't know. (laughs) And a corny. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. seeing what's going on in other parts of the world and, you know, could be happening in the U.S., but isn't. It's just been like fascinating to me. I feel like it's opened up a whole door um, and it seems like everybody's in their silos, you know, the HR people and OHS and even management. And yet you start reading Things like you know, that there's a global standard on psychosocial hazards, ISO 45003, and that's all about getting top management involved. So nothing's really drove, nothing drove my passion, but something keeps, you know, once I got there, it's, it keeps me going. You sound, and I, I have a, 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 well, a really good friend of mine who I described in this way, you sound like an empath to me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mentioned that to my daughters. One day I text them. I think I'm an empath and they're right. like, yeah, yeah, are. yeah, yeah. That you know that uh, honestly, I think um, I think that's important because a lot of this work, and, and as I you know shared earlier, there are a lot of folks in this work and interested in this topic. As in many ways, I oh I, I don't know a, a way a way to uh, help through our own trauma. To be quite honest, <laughs> and it's good to have folks who. Are, are empathic and, and aren't as burdened because the trauma can be an obstacle as well. Uh, we were you know, talking a little bit before we, you know, before we came on to record that sometimes it's difficult to get to the future and get to the, get to the solutions because you have to kind of fight through the, the trauma that people have been exposed to. But again, you know, good point that you made about how just being around it is not good for anybody. It doesn't matter who it's directed yeah. towards, who the target is just being in the environment is just not, it's not a good thing. And I don't think organizations are at their best when there's this kind of kind of environment and, you know, of bullying and, and uh, that type of thing. So, so I, like I said, when I found out that you're writing the book, I had to run out and get myself a copy. And I, I probably one of the most interesting things we, you know, we here in the U S you know, fan, uh, you know, I say fantasize or sometimes see ourselves all this great country. We're number one in everything. And, and uh, when people bring up, you know, who's doing something better than us, they generally go to Europe. Uh, what's what's your what are the Europeans doing? And they're, you know, what we should be doing like them. And share a little bit with me about uh, psychosocial hazard management in countries like uh, the Nordic countries and Mexico. OK, happy to. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a coincidence that the a lot of the Nordic countries were among the first to um, pass workplace bullying laws. And a lot of times you see those surveys go by like happiest countries or like the Nordic, Nordic countries. And one thing um, at a conference, I'm going to make a little plug for this conference just because I like it so much. It's called the Work Stress and Health Conference. 
It's in the U.S. every two years, and it's it's great. The people are great, and and that's where I met Gary and and David Yabada. Um, so Gary and I were at a session, and um, two people came in from Denmark, an employer and an employer's rep, and they were attending the conference together, and they were co you know their their thing is cooperation at work, and they were kind of perplexed that that isn't a thing in other places. So, okay. Um, the Nordic countries are one of the first, besides enacting bullying laws, to kind of use psychosocial hazards as, a, I call it an umbrella term. So it's a term that includes workplace bullying, harassment, um, any work factors that can lead to work-related stress. So they may have one law that says the employer has to manage anything that can lead to work-related stress. And then within that law, they, they list off all the many psychosocial hazards that may be included. Um, and there are different words for it. Sweden and Denmark address the psychosocial work environment, and they have requirements for the employer to manage that. Um, Norway, that's the employer, has to ensure the working environment is fully satisfactory regarding employees' physical and mental welfare. Um, Netherlands uses psychosocial workload and I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's evolving. I see how it's evolving from just bullying to taking into account anything that can cause, you know, a work-related stress or a negative workplace environment. And, and those are the Nordic countries and, and they seem to be, um, I can't even say they're moving ahead. They've moved first. Mm. I think Sweden enacted a workplace bullying in law law in 1993. Wow. wow. So, wow. yeah. Now, Mexico, which I've, mm, I have read has a really high amount of work-related stress. So I don't know if this was what, what drove this, but in 2019, they enacted a really comprehensive law um, about psychosocial risk factors. And I don't know, we don't necessarily think of Mexico maybe as that progressive. But this is this is a really um, comprehensive law. It has different requirements depending on the size of the company, starting at 15 people. And where is it? It says psychosocial risks are described as risks that can trigger anxiety, sleep, or stress disorders. And the employer has to have a psychosocial risk prevention policy. And um, you know, it's it's very detailed and holds the employer accountable. And one thing I like about this law is that it mentions um, lack of sleep as a risk factor. Really? Yeah, which, I mean, you know, in the US, a lot of times people pride themselves on, I only got four hours of sleep last night. Yes. And, you know, a lot of, this is kind of a digression, but a lot of really serious workplace accidents like Chernobyl and yes. I, there's a list. Exxon Valdez have happened when people are fatigued. So that kind of plays into the whole work-life balance. And that's also, you know, being talked about a lot these days. So that's Mexico. Mm. Um, and can I throw in Australia? Sure, please. please. Australia is like really doing a lot. They, um, they did a report a few years ago that showed a lot of deficits in their um, handling of harassment in general in the workplace. And, you know, some people 
you know, I do, I listen to that Australian psych health and safety podcast and maybe you, maybe you do too. And you know that they've just been moving forward right. with enacting things on psychosocial risks. Um, something came into effect a few weeks ago at the start of October. And I think it's called NSW shoot or NW. It's like. Uh, probably New South Wales. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. New South Wales just enacting something, enacted something that employers have to manage psychosocial risks in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to throw in Australia also because I think they're in the forefront. Well, uh, I can certainly say they're in the forefront because I certainly list, listen to the uh, podcast in Australia because uh, they're the folks who sponsor this one. <laughs> so Great. Yeah, Good for them. I, so Good so for them. that shows how progressive they are in this entire space that they have, you know, not only are doing work there, they're doing work around the globe, you know, through mm-hmm. efforts like this. So that's my, you know, friends over at People Diagnostics and Flourish DX are just, you know, I, I, I find it really interesting how far ahead many of these countries are of what's going on here in the US. I really do. And and I, I also find it interesting that uh, so much is happening in such a short period of time, particularly after, you know, post, well, kind of post-pandemic. Uh, yeah. Some say it's over. Who knows whether we're at it. Uh, but I, I, I find the, the, the progress that's starting to happen, it's ha- happening a lot faster uh, because of, you know, what we went through for, you know, yeah. a couple of years of sitting at home and folks yeah. starting to recognize what's important to them. If, if you, if you had, the either the magic wand or the podium or the opportunity to share what should we be doing here in the u.s oh hmm. okay i think i would have <laughs> answered this differently a few months ago or a year or two ago would i this my older answer is we should take a, a relook at at the um occupational safety and health act and expand it um you know i talked to, to uh my boss who's been in occupational health and safety for about 40 years. And he really feels like in the US, if you don't see a, an injury as a, an injury is seen as a physical injury that happens at work. And we haven't moved beyond that. And he doesn't see that that's coming as much. So my newer answer is maybe it's organization, you know, organization by organization. People seeing, I mean, there seems to be a lot of talk about mental health right now, which is bad and good. It's bad because I think the co- the pandemic really messed with people's mental health. And it's good because it brings the stuff that we're seeing in other countries more to the conversation in the US. So maybe, maybe companies have to see that their employees want to be treated, um, treated well, working in an environment that is, is safe, safe and healthy. Um, I also think OHS and HR have to like stop being so siloed, work together for the, the common good of, that sounds pretty corny, but, you know, work together right. with the supportive management because if the top people, you know, the tone starts at the top business, if that's not supported, nothing will happen. Um, I mean, going back to OSHA. Oh, I'm going to go back to OSHA because I'm excited. Um, I went to the Total Worker Health 
conference um, sponsored by NIOSH and CDC, but I did attend virtually at the last minute, I kind of switched. And the Surgeon General was speaking the last day and the Surgeon General was talking about um, mental health at work. And he even mentioned the term workplace bullying. And I found that really encouraging. So I'm, I'm moving back to maybe the US will do something. So kind of a long answer, but maybe through the legal system, maybe through organization by organization, um, maybe just through the change in perception. Right, right. Well, I, I, uh, I, I say this a lot and I, I learned it from, uh, from other places, but people tend to do safety things for one of three reasons. There, there's the moral and ethical reason they think it's the right thing to do. There's a financial one. They look at the numbers and they see they're losing money by hurting people. And then there's the third reason they have to. And I'm mm-hmm. okay with any one of those three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I differ with your colleague who's been around for 40 years in the occupational safety and health community. There is a generation of folks who, who, who know this needs to be uh, great in the option. They know it. They know it. Thrilled. And as a matter of fact, I can tell you that I had a personal conversation with some folks at OSHA about this and through mm. some of my affiliations. And there are some of us. So again, it's an, it's a quicker way to get to where we want to go, to be quite honest. So the, the OSHA Act, a 51-year-old act that still thinks that everybody in the workplace are men. Come on, mm-hmm. really? Of course we need to fix it. Of course yeah. it needs to be revised. So it hasn't been looked at really, not really, since. Yeah. And I, I share this with people, the the uh, the 91st Congress, the 535 people who voted on the act, only 2% of them were women. I also say that two, only 2% of them were non-white. So I thought you were going to say only 2% of them are still alive. Uh, well, I don't, I haven't checked that, you know, I mean, a lot of them are still around, you know, <laughs> because they didn't live longer. Men. Yes. Men. Yeah, but the, the challenge is, and I, I don't say that to be disparaging. I yep. say that because there's a perspective that wasn't in the room when the act was written, which is one of the reasons why the OSH Act does not provide for the safety of women and people of color like it should, yeah. because it wasn't designed to do that anyway. It also... In 19,674 words, if I'm not last I counted, <laughs> it only mentioned psychological twice. So it wasn't written to address yeah. how people feel, but it needs exactly. to be revised. So it does. I, the, the, the Constitution wasn't written with me as a, a full person either. Yeah. We, we revised that, too. So, yeah, we ought to change. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, it's interesting because the, the um, sexual harassment training I'm doing for the trucking industry truckers are no longer just white men either. And it's, it's time. Yeah. It's time to have it's past time to take into account. Everybody's everybody's in the workforce. And yeah, you're, I mean, and, and again, that, that's, that's another point I've actually been in. uh, I I have a, I I consider myself not just an ally of women, but an accomplice. And the difference is those accomplices will, you know, I've gotten myself in trouble defending my sister sometimes because I have a mom and sisters and a wife and daughters. And uh, I don't think just sitting around talking about, oh, yeah, I support women. I won't stand up for them. I, I, personally, I feel like I got to get involved. But uh, so I was talking with a friend here recently who was sharing with me the epidemic of, of sexual assault and even rape in the trucking industry. Oh, and, and these goofy laws that will allow, you know, 
allow this to happen to women and the, and the employers go, well, well, you know, we can't find a separate place for y'all to sleep. So you both have to sleep in the truck. We don't, we don't realize you don't know each other. Uh, uh, really? I mean, seriously? So that's the kind of country we want to have. That's the kind of environment we want to have. I'm not sure I'm with that. <laughs> no way. I, I'm not with that. I'm just not. I, I'm no. not. And I wouldn't want my daughter or sister to, to be in that kind of environment. And, and, you know, your point is well taken, which, you know, obviously gets me a little fired up about it, is if we don't address psychosocial hazards in the workplace, we're never going to fix our issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not going to exactly. happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. And um, I just want to, th- as long as I haven't mentioned it yet, there's a book, I don't know, called Dying for a Paycheck. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That that was that was really um I really like this whole whole human sustainability thing. Yes. Um and and in my 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 third book I definitely relied on that book. I think I'm so encouraged to hear that you've talked to people that that disagree with the the person who was in the industry for 40 years. Um oh. Yeah, I mean everybody's entitled to their opinion. I just disagree. I, yep. I don't again that same mentality or that same thought process would have <laughs> women wouldn't have the right to vote. Yep. yep. Uh, I, I, you know, again, I'd still be seen as property. Oh, uh, we'd still have kids dying in factories. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, right. you, you name it, all of the progress that we've made as a society, not just here in the U.S., but around the world, we, we, we wouldn't have it because, well, you know, it's kind of always been that way. You know, that's that's the way yeah. we've done it. Yeah, you know, just like the bully. That's that's just how he is. That's just how he is, you know. But yeah, and, and like I said, I, I I've also, you know, again, actually kind of working through some of my own issues, to be quite honest, have gotten less judgmental of people who feel that way. I don't think that I I, I don't think that that's a bad thing for a person to feel that way. I just disagree. I, and I, I disagree. And I, and I think we can, you know, build a coalition of people. There are people who think that we'll never get a law to make bullying illegal in the country. And that might be true. But if we create one that says you have to address the psychosocial hazards in the environment, we'll get there anyway. Exactly. So exactly. It, it's about getting there. You know, yep. as long as we get there, I'm I'm fine. As long as, you know, we get there in legal, moral, and ethical ways, you know, yep. as long as we get there, that that's fine. Oh, so so I wrote a lot of this book. I I I'm I, I think I wrote on the back. It's it's in a couple of places in my acknowledgments. During COVID, I saw that um, Bentley University around the corner from me in Waltham had a cent- Hoffman Center for, for Business Ethics. And I applied to be a visiting researcher there because I thought nobody's visiting from, the, from Spain or something. You know, I'll visit from around the corner because it's COVID. <laughs> and um, it worked out really well because I, I see some of these issues as as ethical, okay. just like you mentioned in your three choices, but um, so, so yeah, yeah, good. So share more about that. I mean, you see them as ethical. I mean, how do you, you know, share more about that? Um, the ethical and responsible employer should treat people. Work should not hurt people. Um, and I had to make that connection to to be a visiting researcher, but they went for it and. Um, I think that plays into this whole, you know, what we're talking about what should change in the U.S. Maybe the employer's duty of care should just expand, too. So it isn't just for physical health and safety. 
But I, I think it is an ethical issue. Um, I, a lot of things are ethical issues, you know, like kids working in factories when they're, you know, seven years old. That's an ethical issue. I mean, what kind of a society are we <laughs> that, you know, people? So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Business ethics. I, I bought a book written by the, the person who ran the center, who's a great who's a philosopher, that's his background, his philosophy about business ethics. And, you know, it, it, it talks about all the stuff, the dilemmas going on at big corporations and, and the ethical choice, but I'm not as well versed in ethics as maybe I should be. Well, just thanks to me. It, it just, it, it's, it's another important point though. I mean, there, uh, there is a lot of conversation uh, in the business world around, you know, ESG these days and <laughs> how uh, there there are folks out there who finally decided, you know, maybe I don't want to invest in a company who's going to destroy the environment, mistreat people and be run like crap. Maybe yep. I want to <laughs> maybe I want to put my money into something that is a little bit more stable and has the possibility of being, you know, effective long term. And folks, and again, that goes to that whole second reason I was I was sharing before is that there are folks who have figured out that treating people well is good business. It is you the the, the people that you're going to run off by being mean to them are probably the good people because the good people have options to go someplace else. The ones who don't will stay and just take the terrorism, but they're not even they're going to take it for long. But they're also the ones who are most likely to explode, you know, once they finally yep. have had enough. Yep. 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 And I think there's a lot of things about social media that are troubling, especially these days. But I think a great thing is um, people will not put up with a bad employer. They'll expose that employer and the reputation of that employer will get harmed. Hmm. And. You know, I mean, I guess on the good side, Patagonia just got like so much great press for their environmental <clears throat> contribution. Like, I think he's leaving the con company to the environment or, or something. Well, sure. Um, sure. But yeah, yeah. And also that kind of reminds me what's always said about people who are targets of bullying. It's often like the, the smarter, more threatening people, the good people. Though. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. 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 But you're right with ESG. I mean, I hope, you know, I think companies are sly, some companies, and they'll catch on to making themselves look like, you know, good in the ESG area. But but I think that the uh, people coming up, whatever, millennials and the Gen Z people, that they're not going to put up with the same thing. <laughs> and they're, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get a 40-year career at one country company that's gone. Right. So, right. yeah, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that. So my, uh, my youngest grandchild is four and, uh, yeah, they won't be able to treat her like that because she's smarter than me. She is. I she believe is. you. I believe she is. these, these three and four year olds are smarter than me because they're coming up in this, they're digital natives. They have yeah. access to information at their fingertips. I mean, the, you know, an issue might my daughter has to worry about with her is that she'll pick up, you know, she doesn't have a phone of her own, but she'll pick up her brother or sister's phone and she'll post something on Instagram if they don't watch her. And she's four. Wow. Yeah. So, that, but that's, that's, so you will not be able to the old dude yep. <laughs> or, or do that, whoever they are, who thinks they're going to mistreat a Gen Z or and think they're going to stick around. Yep. They won't. 
They won't do it. Right. And they'll and the call you out on it. They will exactly call you out. Exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly right. They'll tell all their friends who won't come yeah. and work for you. So, exactly. Uh, I, I guess you'll have to find some really expensive robots to do all that work because they're not mm-hmm. human beings aren't going to do it. But they also, I, th- I think, it's not just about the work. There are people who are speaking with their investment dollars and w- with their, you know, with their purchasing power as well. Because they, you know, I've shared this with a few others. When I go to restaurants and such, often I, I generally ask the folks there how it's what it's like to work there. I do. I have a, a son who's been in the, you know, I spent some time also in the in the service industry. And if I get the impression that those folks aren't being treated well, I'll tell the manager in a way, you know what, I don't think we'll be coming back because you don't treat your folks well. Awesome. That's great. That's a good idea. It's uh, a matter of fact, I think everybody should do it. I think, yeah, if, no, I like why that. would you, so if you don't believe in bullying and mistreating other people, why would you buy from someone who'll do it? And it's up yeah. close and personal. I mean, it's much more difficult as much as I'd love to call out some of these big corporations. It's much more difficult to do because yeah. we have these monopolies and there's stuff that I don't really have a choice, but yeah. I have a choice. I have a choice. Yeah. When I, you know, I go into a grocery store or to a restaurant or to buy clothing or what have you, and I see people who look like they're just being beaten down and not being treated well, again, I, I ask them. I ask them. So it, now it may not be about work, mm-hmm. as often it is. There are other things going on, and they're, you know, work is the only place that they have solace. Yeah. But if it's about yes. the work and you're not treating those folks, well, you can, I can assure you, I won't be back. I won't. I won't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know, that you- Everybody doing small things. Yes. Helps. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so again, three books down. Uh, so what's, what's, what's next? What's, what's Ellen into next? What am I into next? All right. Well, I, I guess it's good to, to get some book promotion happening. I mean, I, I, you know, all right. I have to say about this book that I started thinking about this book probably before any book. I was going to call it ills of the modern workplace or something. And I kind of never got around to writing it. And then I did finally get around to writing it. So, which is a long way of saying, I, I, I put a lot into it. Um, and so I, I guess I'll keep up with, with trying to promote it because I feel like it's important. If the more the U S can know what's going on in other countries shows it can be, it can be done. Yes. It's happening. But what else? I'm really kind of having fun doing this, um, creating content for this sexual harassment course for truckers because it's a company that's um, that's a, seems like a good company, small woman-owned company in South Carolina. Mm. You know, really good with the storyboarding and making it interesting. That's good. What else? I don't want to write another book right now, but who knows? Who knows? It comes over me. Um. But I'm kind of encouraged um, to to maybe get involved with, you know, like people who are in this area in the U.S. and are trying to move things forward. I like to, there's something called the Healthy Work Campaign. I think they're in California, you know, kind of kind of tie in somehow in anything I can do projects with these groups. Um, so... Well, okay, you've you you've put that out there, so 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 watch. I mean, I uh, yeah, I, I recently uh, recently met a group who's uh, 
They're working on another, so similar to the Healthy Workplace Bill, there's a Dignity at Work Act that some folks out there are trying to get passed and have met some of those folks and mm-hmm. hadn't heard about the group in California. I, again, it doesn't matter to me what we call it. It just matters yeah. that it happens. Yeah, I, I keep going. I've already been going back in my head to you're saying whether we get a, a workplace bullying bill passed or whether it's a psychosocial hazards law, it covers it regardless. I, I That's a really, really good point. Um, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, you know, that WHO has just published mental health guidelines. That's another encouraging thing. Yes. Yes. So I yes. guess sometimes people call psychological health and safety mental health and safety. They do. They do. And I, I probably should have done that in the U.S. because people probably would have related to it more. Right. But, right. Um, I don't know. It seems like stuff's going on. So I, I want to stay involved. I, I really like this field. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, uh, yeah, as do I. And it's always good to have people with law degrees involved in stuff like this. <laughs> because when, when you all walk in the room, sometimes that uh, that kind of helps people, you know, helps people make a decision. <laughs> good point. Yeah, yeah it, it, it does. does. It does. It does. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I thought about going to law school, but the LSAT thing, you know, I'm not a, yeah. <laughs> God I, bless I yeah, I, I will tell you back in the day when I went, I went to University of Connecticut and I established state residency. And I mean, my last semester was like $1,087 or something. Oh, wow. That I don't know wow. if it would have been worth it at, at the prices that, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think, I mean, look where you are. You did a dissertation. I don't know. Well, that I, you know, I, yeah, it. Uh, I, I assume that the work is similar. You know, I, yeah. you yeah. know, I, uh, yeah, it it was something. It was something to do, you know. Something to do. I, I um, you know, it, it's it's a nice credential to have, but you know, like I I see a lot of things this way. I'm all about kind of the outcome. I mean, what is it that we're yeah. trying to get done? And um, it's it's important to have. I, I believe that this book uh, is is the start of something great. I, I, I'm I'm gonna speak. I'm speak that into existence. I really do because I was gonna say put that on Amazon. <laughs> I, I, no, seriously, I I really do because uh, as you said, people need to know a yeah. that this is doable. You know, yeah. uh, all, uh, I heard once that all things are created twice, and the first place they're created is in people's minds. Mm-hmm. And somebody had to back in the '60s, back in I think about about 1966, uh, had to show us that you can have a little device that'll flip open and you can talk on it. Mm-hmm. And now we have phones. As a matter of fact, I have a phone that flips sideways now. <laughs> wow. But had Gene Roddenberry not, you know, had that idea and put it into Star Trek, who knows whether we'd have that today. Yeah. So it has to start someplace and people have to see, they have to see a vision of what's possible. And what yep. you've done so eloquently in this book is show us here in the U.S. this is doable. Yes. This is, this is, and a matter of fact, I also believe that you, you've shown us that we could actually do it quicker because other people have done a lot of the work already. Right. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's there. The templates are there. The checklist, the, you know, risk management plans. Yes. It's just another risk. Just just another risk. And, you know, I, I, I say this and, you know, um, I, I don't mean to offend, but it may offend some. Uh, if we don't catch on to m- mitigating and managing psychosocial risk, we'll continue to export 
uh, some of the more negative things about this country. You I know, think the, you're right. The, the bullying and the harassment and the power tripping and, you know, some of the corruption, not everybody's corrupt. I, I, I don't necessarily believe that, but we're exporting that through some of our, you know, U.S.-based companies who think they can go to other countries and, yeah. and, and do this. And what the rest of the world is saying is like, like nah, 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 you're not going to be able to do that. And if you want to do business with us, yeah. you know, the World Health Organization and the International Organization for Standardization and the International Labor Organization, they're all saying, look, uh, this is a thing. And if you want to do business with us, you're going to have to do this differently. And again, yeah. if that influences what goes on here, the, the more the merrier, whatever it takes. Yep. I totally agree. And yeah. and I think it's great, too, in this country. It's people from kind of different professions that are coming together yes. with this, which I think makes things just stronger. Sure. You know, it's sure. not just one profession pushing forward. It's a bunch of different people. That is true. I mean, I don't get into this, but workplace violence in the U.S., violence in the U.S., guns in the U.S. Yeah, people people look at us now, you know, we're not, we're number one in that. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and, and you know, there, there are some really positive things about this country you should be exporting and, uh, yep. you know, beating people yep. up at work physically or mentally should not be one of them. Right. So, uh, right. yes, yes. Somebody said, and I think it was the Total Worker Health or the, um, International Association of Workplace Bullying and Health. I've, I've been to both of these conferences virtually. And unfortunately, it's not as good as per, in person. But somebody was talking about the U.S. is a masculine country and they're from a feminine country. I think yes. it was Nor- yes. it was a Nordic country. And um, it was just interesting to, to hear that. And- yeah, that, that, yeah, that sounds like, uh, you know, in Hofstede's work around culture, you know, you can have either a masculine or or, or, or a feminine dominant. We're, yeah, that's, you know, we've, we've, oh boy, uh, we, uh, men need some work, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think there are even some of us that are men that don't believe we have to be that way, that, that being, sure. being oh. kind and, and taking care and, and having respect for other people. Uh, I think that's what real men do. So, but uh, that's a probably a conversation I should have with a bunch of dudes. So, <laughs> but but all oh, that comes down to another. Okay, I, my last comment. I keep throwing things in. In a lot of these laws, it talks about the dignity of the worker. Sure. And that those words, respect and dignity. I think you know the more they get thrown around and aren't made fun of, because it's easy to mock them. I think in the U.S., it's like, oh come on, dignity. But it's written right into some things in in other countries. I mean, everybody should be treated with dignity. How how hard is that? How hard is that? How hard is that? Well, Ellen, I um, I really really enjoyed our our conversation, and uh, I I want to make sure that uh, that people you know really hear about the the work that you're doing. Because again, I, I'm serious. I just think we have to some of this. We have to have people with a book they can sit down and read through and kind of get an understanding about what's going on. And I think you've done that, and I I really really applaud your work. It's good to get folks who are writing good stuff to help us be better as a society. And I, I think you're, think you're doing that. So if people wanted to uh, want to follow up with you, uh, catch up with you, communication with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, I, I'll give out my, my email, lnpc2 at gmail.com. But I'm, I'm a big LinkedIn fan. 
I really like LinkedIn. So, so look for Ellen Pincus Cobb on LinkedIn and, and that, and reach out to me that way. I think that's probably the most doable. I don't have a website. I should have a website, but for now, LinkedIn. That that sounds great. And, and frankly, uh, that's that's the way folks can get a hold of me as well. It's on LinkedIn. Uh, I I do have a website. There's a website for the podcast, uh, Psych Health and Safety USA dot com and uh, uh, ID 2-solutions.com if, if folks want to reach out and have further conversations. But thanks so much, Ellen, for, for being here. Uh, and I, I do want to stay in touch uh, regarding the work that you're doing. I, again, I, <laughs> I haven't shared it all here on the podcast, but I, there's some thoughts I have again regarding, excuse me, regarding your book and, and the connection, the foundation it built for some other things. So uh, we'll 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 certainly be talking in the future about how you know, those of us in this community who believe this is important, and particularly important here in the U.S., can continue to work together. So again, again, just thanks so much. It's, it's been a thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. I really absolutely, did. Absolutely, absolutely. And good. for those of you again who are listening in, like you do each week, uh, you can join us next week. We uh, we have uh, we, we've been having some very interesting guests uh, with some really important things to say. And, and more recently, helping me be more encouraged about what's going on here in the U.S. So again, uh, so watch us, you know, a new episode every Friday, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time on the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. You've been listening to the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. To stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in America, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And join the Flourish DX community at www.flourishdx.com.